He is risen. This hope that is rooted in the reality of the resurrection, there is hope because there is Easter. Easter is there because of hope, and it is in Easter that we have the hope that we need. This hope is real. It is rooted in Christ. It is rooted in the resurrection. I can face tomorrow because he lives. All fear is gone because I know he holds the future. And life is worth the living just because he lives. Amen and amen. Good morning. How are you on this Palm Sunday? Good, good. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell him, get your palm on. Palm Sunday is a remarkable day in the history of the church. It's referred to as the commemoration of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem in the week and the days leading up to his betrayal and trial his torture, his crucifixion. But before Easter, there was Palm Sunday. The very same crowds that were crying out, crucify him, crucify him, just one week earlier are shouting his praises in the streets, crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna, glory to God in the highest. It's an amazing juxtaposition, isn't it? The, the phrase or the word Hosanna simply means come save us. Save us now. And if you know anything about the history of Israel at this particular time, they were locked under the dominion, under the rule of Roman authority. And they believed that the Messiah, the promised one of Israel, would be the one to free them from Roman tyranny. But the aims of God, the purposes of God are so, so much greater than that. I don't think I'm overstating the case to say that the events of that week, 2,000 some odd years ago, are the most powerful, the most profound movement that has ever, ever touched human history. I would challenge you, in love of course, but I would challenge you to come up with an event that has changed more lives, personally and individually, than the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. I would challenge you to come up with any movement, any philosophy, any belief system that has marked humanity and history, cultures and civilizations more than what Jesus Christ did some 2,000 years ago. I think it's really, really important for us on this Palm Sunday to prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, prepare our lives for the celebration of Easter because make no doubt about it, next week we will celebrate. We celebrate the fact. We celebrate the reality of the resurrection but before we can get to the resurrection, we have to go through the cross. And we have to go through the cross, not culturally or historically, but personally. Personally, what does the cross mean for you? What does it mean for me? I, I would argue that 
The cross of Jesus Christ is the moment that changed everything forever. We, we all experience, you know, when everything changes kind of moments in our lives personally, don't we? How many of you remember when you got your driver's license? Let me see a show of hands. Wasn't that a great day? Unless you're the parent. Man, I remember watching Emily and Joe pull out of our driveway with their newly minted paper driver's license. I have never been a more devout prayer warrior in my life. I, I will tell you this, Joe, as he was backing out of our driveway, our driveway kind of does an S-curve down to get to the parking pad, and it's, it can be kind of tough to get out, and he was backing a truck out of the, park, out of the driveway when he just kind of lightly bumped, just a little kiss of a tree on his first trip out the driveway. Julie looks at me like, he can't go. I knew, I knew the answer was not to get mad. I knew that he was nervous. I knew that he had heard the little bump. And so I just calmly walked over to his driver's side window. He rolled down the window just a little. And I just said this. I said, hey, Hoss, get your head in the game now. His answer, yes, sir. And that was it. We've, we've all had those when everything changes moments, your driver's license, when you graduate high school or college, when you, when you get married, when you have children. Oh, my goodness. Talk about everything changing. Life will never be the same. Again, children are a wonderful blessing from God. They, they enrich a life, and they simplify nothing. They're expensive. Would somebody help me preach? But I also remember, I remember dropping those kids off at college. Worst day of my life. It's terrible. Two years apart, Emily won, Joe the next. I remember when we dropped Emily at the College of Charleston, Julie and I were flying home. I was a mess. I'm wearing sunglasses on the plane, not because I was cool, because I didn't want everybody to know I was crying. Julie and I are sitting there holding hands. I'm crying. I kind of get my stuff together, and I look over. Julie's crying. If Julie is crying, it's a bad day. And I kind of suck it up. Or I'm like, it's okay, babe. This, this is what we worked for. This is what we prayed for. This is what we parented toward. It's a good thing. It's right. And it was terrible because I knew from that moment on, Everything had changed. When a person places faith in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, when someone chooses to trust Jesus more than they trust themselves, it ought to mean that everything changes personally. The, the Bible explains this for us in the book of 2 Corinthians. Look with me if you have your Bibles with you, if you have your phone where you use your Bible. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I want you to see how this means everything changes. Everything. This is what the Bible says. 2 Corinthians 5, I'm starting in verse 15. It says, he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, 
they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. But how differently we know him now. This means that anyone, say anyone. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and a new life has begun. Now, there are a couple of things that I want to make sure we pull out of this passage today before we get to the takeaway, before we get to the take home and what it means for us. The first is right there that the cross, the cross changes our perspective on people. The cross changes our perspective on people. When, when, when a person comes to faith in Christ, you start to view people differently because of Christ. Because we understand that we have been given a new life. We, we no longer, we don't even think of Jesus the same anymore. Jesus is no longer just a figure of history, no longer just a removed and remote deity. Now he is personal, he is real, he is intimately involved and engaged and connected with every single part of our lives. But it also changes the way we look at people. I want to I encourage you, put a smile on your face and turn to your neighbor right now and say, I look at you differently. I hope you meant that. I'm going to share with you how this, this came home to me in, in a really fresh way not too long ago. I was in a coffee shop getting coffee, paying too much money, and the guy in front of me was placing his order, and, and I could tell this guy was kind of like in a hurry. He, he, was, he was like kind of clip, kind of, I need a butt, and a butt, 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 boom. And so I kind of started paying a little bit of attention, and you could tell the, the barista behind the counter who was taking his order was kind of like, yes, sir, yes, sir. And, and as the order went, the, the barista started asking a few more questions. He goes, I just want a coffee. And, and I, I kind of stepped back. And I was like, this was my first thought. I'm just a moment of transparency. I thought, what a jerk. That was my first thought. I thought, what a jerk. I, I may get, I'm about to say something to this guy to tell him to chillax. Just take a chill. I know you're getting caffeine, but you came in here way too amped up. But I didn't do that. When all of a sudden, I, I think this was God's leading in my, my mind and my thoughts, I thought, man, it is so early in the morning for this guy to start his day this way. What a terrible way to live. Now, I'm not judging him. I'm, not, I'm just saying, for, for his sake, can you imagine starting out your day mad at the world? How many of us have ever started the day mad? Thank you for your honesty. I appreciate that. It's no fun, is it? Like the rest of the day, you're just kind of like, oh, whatever. I woke up on the wrong side of the bed. And as I watched this guy, I just started praying for him. I said, and, and I, I quit thinking, what a jerk because I, I realized that wasn't the most charitable characterization. And, and I just started saying, God, I pray that you will be with him from this moment through the rest of his day. Help him to have a better day than he's having right now. And then when I got up to the register, 
Man, I was super nice to the barista behind the counter. I was like, man, you're doing a great job. I'm going to tip you like 16%. I'm just kidding. I hope you tip well. If you don't tip well, don't tell people you go to church here. I was nice to the guy taking my order. The girl who brought me my drink at the end of the thing, I was just, uh, just effusive. Man, y'all are doing a great job here this morning. I don't know how you do this day in and day out. She was like, like a little tear came. Like, Thank you so much. <laughs> the cross changes our perspective on people. People are no longer judged by the cover. We no longer make discernments or decisions about them based on what we think about them, but we start to see them through the lens of the cross of Christ. You start to look at people differently. You look at the people in your life. Think about people you know in your life. How many of you, let's say, work with a difficult person? Can I just see a show of hands? Notice I didn't say if you live with a difficult person. If you work with somebody, a difficult person. Some of you laughed a little too hard at that. What if you started to look at that person through the lens of the cross of Christ? And all of a sudden, they were not the bane of your existence. They were not just a burr under your saddle, but they were, they were someone for whom Jesus went to the cross and died. How would that change the way you treat them? How would that change the way you perceive them? Because I really think perspective, in the words of our good friend Andy Andrews, perspective is the one thing you can change that changes everything without changing a single fact. They may still be difficult to deal with, but your perspective will change the way you see them and therefore treat them. The cross changes our perspective. We no longer think of people from a worldly point of view, like we even used to think of Jesus, now we look at people through the lens of the cross. Now we start to see every person in our lives through an eternal perspective and not just this moment at the coffee counter or in the marketplace or at home. We've changed our perspective because of the cross of Christ. It changes everything. How differently we know him now. Anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. I think the longer we walk with Christ, the harder it is to remember that. A lot of us have been following Christ for a long time. I'm 56 years old. Next year, we'll mark 50 years as a follower of Christ. A lot of y'all hope to live that long. But when you've been following Christ for a long time, it's possible sometimes to forget, I needed a new life. I, I needed that rescue that Jesus provided through the cross. My, my old life was not enough. My old life did not measure up to the holiness of God. Yes, God loved me unconditionally. Yes, I was created. You were created for relationship with God. But our sin ruptured that relationship. And I think 
I think sometimes we forget the gravity. We forget the weight of sin. Now, if you're new around here, I am not one of these pastors. I, I don't wake up in the morning hoping to scare hell out of people. I, I don't, that's not how we roll around here. But at the same time, hell is real. Eternity separated from God by our sin is a real possibility. The, the, the chaos, the decay, the death that comes from the absence of God, that, that's a real possibility. We needed to be rescued from that. That's why Christ went to the cross. That's why he took on himself my sin and your sin. Yes, we're created for relationship. Yes, this is eternal life, that they might know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Yes, it is an intimate relationship. But we can never, ever, ever, ever forget that while we're embracing the intimacy of the unconditional, perfect love of God, we can't forget the holiness, the righteousness the moral perfection of that same God. We, we somehow hold together intimacy and awe, relationship and wonder with this God who has given us a new life. The old is gone and the new has come. And so that changes our perspective on ourselves, our perspective on Christ, our perspective on other people. But I want you to see where the Bible takes us next, where that, that new perspective plays itself out day in and day out. Verse 18 in 2 Corinthians 5. He says, now all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So while the cross changes our perspective on people, the cross also changes our priorities with people. The cross has to change our priorities with people. Because our perspective has changed, now we have a new set of priorities, baby. It, it ain't just about who do we like hanging out with? Who's nice? Who's not? Now, eternity hangs in the balance, and he has given us this message of reconciliation. That's, that's all us, you, me, everyone who follows Christ. We have been given this message of reconciliation, this, this, this reconciling, again, reminds us that we were not just good buds with God apart from Christ. I want you to look at Romans chapter five. Romans chapter five, this is a powerful principle that we need to really and truly own as followers of Christ. Romans five, eight through 10 says, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his 
enemies, we will certainly be saved through the life of his son. So Jesus took on himself the penalty of my sin and your sin, and he died. That's the cross. He, he died alienated from God the Father. That's why he cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is interesting because the New Testament then tells us that anyone who follows Christ will never be forsaken. That's because of the resurrection. But it was in the crucifixion, it was in the cross that Jesus died. He died physically, he died spiritually separated from God. That's the reality. That's, that's the brutal truth that Jesus suffered and died so that we don't have to. So that anyone who believes in him would have eternal life. They would begin to live the life that is truly life. We get to start it here, but we, we, we still live in a fallen world here. We will one day know as we are known we will be united with him and with one another in moral perfection, the Bible says. We ain't there yet. But for anyone who follows Christ, we're on the way. We are on the way. But remember the people whose perspective the cross changed? God says now, I want you to take this message of reconciliation. I want you to get out there and tell other people. Back during the COVID lockdowns, Julie and I spent a lot of time together. A lot. I mean like a lot. <laughs> How many of you realized during COVID lockdowns that you were glad you and or your spouse or someone close to you went to work every day? Well, one of the things that Julie and I did to alleviate that closeness that we were all feeling and experiencing was we started watching some TV shows together. Now, my taste is different from Julie's taste. Her taste is different from mine. But we found a, a common ally in, in these shows. And I've mentioned this to you before, but I want to I use it in a different context today. We found on, on one of the streaming services this whole this whole genre of TV, British cop shows. They are phenomenal. They're clean. They're incredibly well acted. They're great stories. The scenery is stunning, whether you're in the middle of England or the coast, you know, somewhere on, on the North Atlantic. I mean, just stunning scenery. And we were just like show after show after show after show. We're like, this is a good one. This is a good one. This is a good one. We started keeping a list so we could share it with people. I've got it in my phone right here. I'm not going to share it with you right now, but you can reach out to me later on. <laughs> You've done the same thing. Man, have you seen so-and-so? You've done it with restaurants. H have you eaten at fill-in-the-blank? We have been given a new life. Who are we telling about it? 
Who are we reaching out to and saying, I want to share with you something that is so good. How many of y'all have ever had biscuits at Fix Restaurant here in Austin? Okay, listen. If they're not in heaven, I, I think they will be. My, my point is, if you've had one, you know. You know, like they say online, if you know, you know. But you tell people about it. David Hughes, my good buddy who lives in Fort Lauderdale, he went to school at a little junior college up in Waco. And uh, every time he comes back to Texas, the first place he goes is Whataburger. He goes back home to, to South Florida. He lives in a, in a culinary wasteland down there. They don't have Whataburger. But he tells everybody he knows. It's like, yeah, you know, in and out, that's, that's fine. Shake Shack, that's the way to go. But Whataburger, there's this place in Texas. We have been given new life. That changes our priorities with the people whose perspective we've changed. Here's the takeaway. Here, here, here's the whole sermon. You ready? You don't even have to write this down. Go invite. Next week is Easter. We know statistically, studies have been done here in the city of Austin. 83% of people in the city of Austin who are not going to church anywhere, if, would, if they were invited by a friend, would say yes to come to church. 83%. How many of y'all are in sales? What if I gave you a sales list and promised you an 80% return? You would kiss me on the mouth <laughs> appropriately. That's the whole sermon, folks. Go invite somebody. I want everybody, if you will, take out your phone. Go ahead, take out your phone. You've had it out anyway, I know. <laughs> Open up your camera. We'll put something on the screen here, a little QR code for you. If you've never done this before, maybe you're not quite as tech savvy as I am. I'm kidding. Everybody get that QR code right there. I'm going to get it too. I'm moving, just simmer. Okay, there you go. I'm going to get out of the way. That is for you to send to somebody you know who doesn't yet know what Easter's all about. You have people in your life, you have a sphere of influence that I will never know. I know people you don't know. And somehow, miraculously, God works through us. God works in spite of us to change eternity, to change the here and the now. Who do you know right now who's kind of tough to be around, tough to deal with? You invite them next weekend, I promise you, I promise you we will introduce them to Jesus. That's what it's all about. When you walk out of here today, we still have some yard signs. We've got a few yard signs. People took those like they were going out of style, like they were chiclets. Yard signs, invite cards. We've got little invite business cards. You can take those with you too. Have you ever thought about the word philanthropy? Philanthropy. 
Most of us, when we think about philanthropy, we think about nonprofits, you know, charitable organizations. You may think about philanthropists, those who are the uber wealthy, who, who devote their life to philanthropy. And philanthropy is a good thing. Please understand that. But what does it really mean? Well, it's, it's embedded in the word itself. Philanthropy, philo, is love for humanity, love for our brothers. It's that commonality that we share in this world. It's not the same as, as love between a husband and a wife or a parent and a child, but it's still, it's love. And so that's philo, philo, love for your brother. Anthropology is, is humanity, love for humanity, love for people. That's what mobile loaves and fishes, community first, so many other organizations that do such great things are all about. But may I suggest to you today that there's nothing more philanthropic than sharing Christ with somebody. It, it's important to feed and to clothe the underserved. We're commanded to care for widows and orphans, and we do. But at the end of the day, sharing Christ with somebody changes eternity. You know people who right now do not know how much God loves them. They don't know what it means to live in a relationship with Christ. They don't know the difference that he can make in their lives. Could it be that that is exactly why God has placed you in their path for such a time as this? For such a time as this, we have this moment, this opportunity in front of us. I love how 2 Corinthians chapter 5 concludes. Verses 20 and 21, it says, So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus. We are his ambassadors. We are sent out. So listen, next weekend, man, wear, wear your Easter best. Put on those pastels. Wear your new Easter dress. If you're into bonnets, knock yourself out. That, that's a great look. I think that ladies ought to bring back the bonnet, but that's another sermon. That, that's great. Enjoy brunch and the Easter egg hunt. Those things are great and fine as far as they go. Man, we're, we're Christ's ambassadors. May I suggest to you that next Sunday, for those of us who are followers of Christ, it's for us, but it doesn't stop with us. It's not just the photo op. It's the friend. It's the family that we know who don't yet know. And we've got the opportunity to just invite them to church. You don't have to go preach a sermon. I would encourage you not to unless you're really prepared. Go and tell. 
go and invite. Make next Sunday more about them than about us so that more of them become more of us so that we grow the community of Christ one life at a time. This is the heartbeat of Jesus' church. Just one more person, one more woman, one more man, one more student, one more child, change for eternity by the unconditional, perfect, forgiving love and truth and grace of God. I want to ask you to bow your heads for just a moment. I wonder today if maybe through this discussion, you've realized that you haven't yet stepped into that relationship. You haven't yet had that when everything changes moment. If that's you today, we want to invite you to trust Christ, to trust him for the forgiveness of your sin and with the rest of your life. If that's you, then just pray right where you're sitting. Silently talk to God and say something like this. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I confess my sin to you. I'm holding nothing back. In order to receive, in order to claim and personalize your forgiveness, your grace and your truth. I ask you to be the Lord of my life as well as the Savior. And I will follow you from this moment forward as you lead in my life. Jesus, thank you. Thank you. I pray this prayer in your name. bowed for a moment, but a sacred moment. If that was your prayer, I want you to know we are so, so excited for you. We're grateful with you. And as a church family, we want to we help with the moments to follow. We'll explain how that happens in just a second. But in this moment, if that was your prayer, would you raise your hand? Just raise your hand and hold it up high over your head for a moment as a statement physically of the commitment spiritually that you just made and know that we celebrate that with you. We love you and we want to help. And our family tradition around here is as you put your hands down, we're going to put our hands together and tell you, welcome home. Welcome home.